This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. All right, guys, welcome back to AHP. Thank you for joining me, all the people that listen to the show, all my Patreon supporters. Again, I want to thank you very much and continue uh, to make this show go around, and I do appreciate it. Uh, if you're listening to the show and you want to support me on Patreon for a couple of bucks, go to patreon.com forward slash AHP. I truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, today, from now on, I've noticed that I do a lot of discussions with people uh, outside of this show, uh, people that I talk to, other people within the industry, and we often talk similar stuff to what me and Mario talk about on straight shooting. So what I'm going to do from now on, uh, some of these conversations I'm actually going to record about news, uh, about current affairs. Uh, and what I'm going to do is actually start making podcasts out of those conversations. Sometimes Muzz is going to be in them as well. Sometimes I'm going to get a lot of different people uh, who are going to be part of this new show and new segment talking about news and all the current affairs that are happening in the shooting community. Yes, of course, we always do it on straight shooting, guys. That's not going to be going anywhere. But obviously, sometimes Muzz can't get to my house or whatever the issue may be. We can easily do podcasts over the phone and record them and talk about current affairs as they happen. Sometimes I know straight shooting, we put things out. Some of the information is a little bit old but definitely it's still worth discussing. So I'd be able to do podcasts in between news and current affairs, talking about all the happenings uh, within the industry as they happen. Now, you might remember the other day, 45 senators voted against self-defense, guys. They voted against self-defense. Only five senators voted for self-defense. It was Corey Bernardi. Uh, from the Australian Conservatives. It was David Lionhelm from the Liberal Democrats, uh, Peter Giorgio or Giorgiao from One Nation WA, Brian Burston, who was formerly with One Nation. He's a senator for New South Wales, now with the United Australia Party. He voted for women to be able to defend themselves. And we also had the person that was putting forward the proposal, which was Fraser Anning, who used to be as well part of One Nation, who now joined just a few weeks ago uh, the Catters Australia Party. Now, the part that upsets me the most about this is the fact that women aren't able to defend themselves. We had women in the Senate voting against other women having options in being able to defend themselves. I think it's disgusting. Some of these people even use our taxpayer dollars to defend themselves with firearms, whether that be in the Senate, whether that be private security with firearms. Definitely Malcolm Turnbull has paid security. Uh, They have firearms. Same with Bill Shorten. And they're telling the average person like me and you, our elderly within the community, our females within the community, that they have no right to self-defense. Now, when I say self-defense, I'm not just talking about women, guys. Everybody should have a right to self-defense. It doesn't matter if you're old, frail, female, male, young, old, disability, no disability, you should have a right to defend yourselves. And this government, 45 senators, voted against your rights to be able to defend yourself and your family given the opportunity. And uh, only five senators, as I said before, voted yes uh, to that proposal put forward by Cato Australia Party's Fraser Anning. Absolutely disgusting. Your taxpayer dollars are being used to pay for the own private security of politicians, yet they think you don't need protecting. And uh, it's just absolutely disgusting. Going on a little bit further than that today, 
uh, which is the 5th of the 7th, 2018. Uh, this was posted by Aaron Stonehouse, who's the uh, upper house member in WA for the Liberal Democrats. MLC wants public access to tasers. Now, Police Minister Michelle Roberts said pepper spray could be carried and was used under existing laws where there was a legal excuse, such as circumstances of self-defence, which is quite interesting for WA since they have quite draconian gun laws. I'm surprised uh, they would be at the forefront for using pepper spray. But it said, she said the state government had no plans to change the laws surrounding tasers and members of the public should put their faith in the police. Let me just read that again. She said the government had no plans to change the laws surrounding tasers and members of the public should put their faith in police, guys. We should put our faith in police who have guns, pepper spray, tasers, cuffs, battens, all of the above, but the average person like me and you gets absolutely nothing. Oh, it just makes you, it, it makes my blood just rush, guys. It really does. It really does that we're leaving our women helpless, our elderly helpless. They've got no chance against these sickos and these criminals. And people are just going to keep raping. They're going to keep pillaging. They're going to keep doing it because no one's stopping them. 99.99% of men aren't rapists. They're not killers. They're not criminals. It's just a very, very small minority of the male species that do this stuff. And women also have, have, have the same issues too. When men have the same issues, it just it really gets under my goat, guys. It really, really does. And um, something I've been passionate about and fighting for quite some time. Sometimes it gets, it gets to you because I just don't see that sometimes we're having much success. We're having much success, but the fight continues to go on. So I'm also going to talk to Kirk Yatris from Firearms Owners United about what's happening in Queensland uh, in regards to uh, weapons licensing, writing to law-abiding gun owners, asking them to hand in firearms they legally acquired that they were given permits to acquire for under some new determination from them that the firearms they have by Wedgetail Industries, which is a firearms manufacturer in Australia, are no longer compliant with the current laws and they needed to be handed back without compensation. So we're going to talk to Kirk Yatris from Firearms Owners uh, United about that. Kirk Yatris, welcome to AHP. Thank you for joining me to talk about uh, the issue happening with Wedgetail Industries and weapons licensing in Queensland. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Jason. You know, it's good to be able to get out here and you know, our sort of, I guess, shooting community media and, and talk about these issues. Absolutely, man. I know I interviewed interviewed you before. What's been happening since we've probably been about, oh, it's got to be probably, what, a year and a half, maybe two years, maybe something along those lines. What's been yeah, happening right. since? Oh, you know, so um, I'm now the vice president of FOU um, and we've been pretty damn busy doing all sorts of stuff. You know, we um, have been doing, we've done a fair bit of political work in a few by-elections and made some donations in the Queensland election that generated some controversy, which I guess was, you know, positive. We're always out to generate some controversy. It's always good. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then, uh, then obviously, um, you know, this WT1501 stuff came along and sort of hit us pretty hard, pretty pretty suddenly. Uh, me personally as well, because I'm personally involved as a as an owner of one of these guns. So tell us in Queensland. So there's an issue with weapons licensing. Tell us how it came about first. Obviously, you received, you had a friend that received a letter, and then obviously we'll go with you first because obviously you received a letter as well because you have one of these firearms. Give us a rounded issue of what happened. So you obviously got a letter in the mail. We'll go from there. Yeah, yeah. So um, basically, had had this gun for eighteen months. Told my mate about it. He got one as well. And then just last week, he gets a letter in the mail, and the letter says, let's go back to it. It just says, 
you know, we note that the, the below weapon, the wedge tail category HWT1501 and 300 blackout, is currently registered to your concealable firearms license. And it should be noted that this firearm was inadvertently issued under your category H license before adequate review and research could be undertaken regarding its item. That, and that's just kind of interesting, isn't it? Like um, that they're issuing PTAs without taking review or research. Absolutely, but, absolutely. Like, yep. what, what does that say about that? Tell them about this firearm first as well. Like tell them about this WT-15, how long you had it for, how much it costs you. Basically, the WT-15, it's a 300 blackout semi-automatic pistol, uh, similar to the rifles that Wedgetail makes as the WT-15. I'm sure Jason will probably put like a photo up with it yeah. to go along. Well, look, I'm looking at it, it now for guys, so I'll put that up yeah, on the page oh, look, as well. You know, they're, they're a bit more scary looking and whatever, kind of are what they are, I guess. I, I, mine I bought for using the metallic silhouette and kind of because it was cool and I wanted it. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, pretty much. You know, and they're not cheap. Okay, so they're $6,000 each, which, yeah. you know, as far as handguns go, that's, that's pretty much the top end. What calibers do they come in? 300 Blackout? Any other calibers they make in film? They, they come in 223 as well. Yeah. Um, I went into 300 Blackout because it's got a bit better performance out of the shorter barrels that these things come with. You know, you're, you're talking about a 9 or a 10-inch barrel. And out of those barrels, 223 kind of loses out the 300 Blackout. So weapons licensing have written to you, say we've not done our groundwork. And what, are the, what else are they saying in that letter to you? Oh, they're, they're naturally saying um, that, you know, it's not a Category H weapon. We, we think it's a Category D weapon. And it, what's interesting is they also say this determination is consistent with other policing jurisdictions within Australia. And I'm not really sure what other jurisdictions are really that relevant to Queensland law, but <laughs> exactly. that's, not even that, that's not even that true either. Like Some other jurisdictions um, would allow these firearms and they're aware of it and they've actually tried to bully owners out of taking out PTAs and so forth because you know, they, they actually realised what it was said. They didn't like it straight up rather than Queensland, who prefer to do it two years after the fact. Anyway. Are they talking so, yeah, about says, compensation at all in, the, in that letter? No. Nah, nah. So it says, basically, you should, you should, it is noted that you're not currently licensed to possess Category B firearm, and as such, you're required to dispose of this firearm immediately by surrendering this item to a Queensland firearm dealer or your local police station. And then it says, once you've surrendered this item, as mentioned above, and you decide you wish to retain lawful possession, you may apply for a Category D licence. But, of course, who who's eligible for a Category D licence in Queensland? It's pretty limited. You're talking, you know, dealers, armourers, some farmers, not all. Um, they're kind of a bit strange in who they'll give it to. Professional pest controllers. And why would and like, pest controllers and Category D people, and this is what we've been talking about for quite some time, why would they want this firearm? Yeah, you wouldn't. It, when they can have, like, it's like this comes back to the Adler again, and they decide to, I guess, grandfather those ones over five rounds for people in Queensland. But this is what we've been telling people for a while. If they actually want to get rid of a firearm, they just reclassify it. Therefore, they don't have to compensate you, which is quite dangerous. Now, you spent, as you said, a lot of money on this particular firearm. So, I mean, if you can't sell it, what do they expect you to do? And have you rang them? And what's your discussions been with the yeah, um, so I, licensing? You know, I- I, I called them just the other day, basically. I've called them probably a couple of times over this, and everyone else has been hammering them as well. This is them, what the hell? Um, and they basically said, tough shit, we're not compensating you. They're, they're under, they have absolutely no intention to give any compensation whatsoever. You know, they won't even refund your PTA, our PTA that we oh, applied wow. for. That wow. was supposedly the issue. 
casino. They're just absolutely out to screw us here. And like like you said, who who would want this? Like, what's the market value on something that's not really that useful? I guess they'd probably sell for about as much as a logged out old FKS, maybe a bit more in in terms of desirability. So mm. you know, a thousand bucks. Have so, they given yeah. you a time frame as well that you have to hand it in by? Oh, immediately. Mm. Mine, mine's not in my possession anymore. Did you give it to a dealer? Did you? Ah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> All right, that's private. So I just thought that might have been what happened. Um, so, okay, so what's the – so there you've obviously disposed of it at this stage. Uh, what's – have you spoken to Wedgetail? What are they saying on this particular issue? Obviously, they'd uh, you know, be aware of it. Obviously, they're, they're pretty concerned. Um, they're working on a, on a sort of a legal strategy with their lawyer. They're a bit – oh, no, they're – yeah, they're they're a bit sort of confused and everything, given that they had clarified this with weapons licensing beforehand, and that the life the the letter from licensing says research includes discussion with the manufacturers of this item, which Wedgetail says they didn't do. So that that's also a bit confusing. You know, the police are pretty much just lying there again. Yeah, ah, not surprising. You know, and I I spoke with weapons licensing as well. Uh, spoke with basically their civilian supervisor and. You know, he was making lots of claims about lots of things. And, you know, I know a lot of the claims he was making were simply not true. Did you give it to so, him a little bit? Did you give it to him at least? Just oh, a little mate, bit? I might have been a bit, a bit snarky with him. I was pretty pissed off. So oh, yeah. hopefully. What did they say when you said, mate, I've spent $6,000 plus on this firearm, plus accessories, plus ammunition, plus potentially, you know, reloading dies in between, and you're now screwing people out of this money, pretty much. I'm hoping you said that. Oh, if, what did he say about yeah, that? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, he basically said, oh, well, sorry. That was it. Wow. You know, he said, I didn't enjoy, he said I didn't enjoy sending these letters out. You know, he's, I guess, a bit sympathetic, but he said, yeah, we, we have absolutely no intention or plan or authorization to give any sort of compensation. So that's that's their view is they're going to basically just, yeah. Did they so say where this is coming from in regards to registry, where the direction's coming from? No, so they, they won't say. They said that it's coming from ballistics, cause, but that that's a bullshit argument, basically. They got, thanks to the guys over at LAFO um, Incorporated, if you know them, yeah. I, I won't name who runs that again, but the yeah. people there have done a pretty good job in FOIing basically every single thing in weapons licensing. So everything they do gets FOI'd. And they've got, you know, we can see from the FOIs that have been released, or right to information requests, RTIs in Queensland, I guess, but everyone knows them as FOIs. What we've seen is weapons licensing have sort of received some federal pressure, right, from the feds, I guess, you know, yep. from a mem- you know, one, one person in particular comes to mind there, a bloke by the name of Gary Fleetwood seems to be particularly prominent. I don't know if you know who that is. No, I haven't heard of him, no. Okay, well. I'm sure I'll do my research after this show. Punch his name into Google, mate, and you'll see a lot of interesting things about that bloke. You know, he used to work for the SSAA, now he works for um, federal government. I think it's the Australian Institute. What's his name, Greg? Sorry, Greg. Gary Gary Fleetwood. Gary Fleetwood. All right. Well, we're talking about that. I'll search that as we we speak. You know, one of the first results you get up is like an old article with a handgun buyback and him as a voice for the SSAA saying he supported it. And now he works for the federal government, and I'm sure it's a fairly cushy position, so read into that what you will. Mm, very interesting. Perhaps we'll leave that for now because I'll do more yeah, research on that, that for the future. Um, yeah, so anyway, what we can see is they've got some pressure from the federal government bodies over these, and they're basically saying they don't support them as handguns. Then weapons licensing have, asked, have sent an email or a request to one of the ballistics guys over at QPS, 
and he's run a assessment on it. Now they they weren't they said they weren't able to you know to get one, hold of one to look at it. <laughs> so what did they do? Look. They probably just guessed. <laughs> they, they, found, they got a photo from somewhere. I'm not sure where. Uh, right? Unbelievable. And they've got some photos. And I actually am kind of suspicious of the photos that they did use because that we've got all these photos and FOIs, and they're actually photos I sent them. Right? I, they asked for some photos of mine um, back in June 2017. So uh, they've done a ballistics on it without even having a firearm Without, without having it, right? And then wow. the ballistics expert says it's in 223, and the only photos we're able to find that they have are one in 300 blackout. So that's curious. So he can't even, you know, obviously if he's looking at it, he'd identify the caliber correctly, but that's odd. And then he misidentifies the model number, and then he misidentifies a bunch of other things and gets a lot of stuff wrong, right? So sort of a, you know, I guess if you're doing a ballistics examination of a firearm from some shonky photos that you've got from God knows where, you know, you're probably pretty prone to making mistakes. Would you like to advertise on one of the most tech-savvy mediums on the internet? Then why don't you advertise with us on the Australian Hunting Podcast? If you have a product or business that you would like to promote, then we would love to hear from you. Become one of our partner advertisers by calling Jason on 0425 881 967 or email australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. Well, you, sometimes you have to think this is just a bad joke. I mean, they don't even have it, and they've made policy or a direction on this without even having the firearm. You know, they could have always asked. Like, I've always been pretty cooperative with them. They did ask me photos that, you know, a year ago, like I said. If, if they had turned around and said, well, under the regulations, they want to inspect them, as they're allowed to inspect firearms um, under a specific section of Queensland law. And even if that wasn't there, I probably just would have cooperated with them anyway because that's sort of the path of least resistance for me. Yeah, you know, they get it one way or the other. And but they didn't even bother, right? They didn't call anyone, they didn't ask anyone, they just went, Oh fuck it, you know, some dodgy photos, I don't know where they're from. They'll do, good enough. Oh look now it's Cat D. Unbelievable. Have you heard from a lot of other guys that have been getting in contact with, say, Firearms Owners United, wanting to know what goes on and the future direction? You know, we've got a we've got a group right now set up of current owners and people that were looking to own these and have been applying for PTAs. We actually, we had a suspicion this was coming a few months ago because they stopped issuing PTAs. Right, yeah. And when it, we got contacted by a bloke and he said, you know, they're not giving me a PTA. They're saying they've refused it. They're rejecting it, but they won't. It's something they've been doing elsewhere. They, they're not reject. They're not issuing the rejection paperwork. So we've been talking with him. Funny and, that, isn't it? They're doing the same thing with suppressors down here. Yeah, well, that's it. They, you know, they, they play all sorts of funny games and, saying, oh, we'll reject it, you know, you can't have it. They try to bully him into withdrawing it, which is something they always try to do in Queensland. If they're going to reject something, they'll, you know, and they don't want to fight on it, they'll just, they'll try to bully you into withdrawing it first. Anyone been to QCAT or anything? I mean, NCAT down here in New South Wales, anyone? Yeah, QCAT's pretty slow. Obviously, that's the Queensland Civil Administrator. But fortunately, just yesterday, we found a bloke who is already in QCAT. So what's it? He sort of, had a bit of an inkling, and they said it was category D. And under the Queensland regulations, there's some interesting parts of law, right? But there's a section of the regulations, and it says that a uh, holder of a concealable firearms licence is authorised to possess and use any pistol that is in the category R weapon. That's interesting because the wedge tails, even if, let's just say that, we, we actually do say they're cap H, and it's not cap D in my view. But just for the sake, you just don't contest that with them, and you just say it is cap D. Okay, well, what flows logically from that? Because 
if it's still a pistol, which their ballistics expert does seem to agree with that it's still a pistol, um, then it's still authorised under a concealable firearms licence under that section of the regulations. Yeah, right. Now, I realise that that's a bit confusing, but it's it's the way they've written the law. And it, they recognise you know, that there would be pistols in Category R, and they specifically sort of said, no, you can't have those. But then, you know, either never thought or knew and decided to keep them, which is kind of my, which is what I would suggest is maybe closer to the truth as legal under concealed firearms license. I only say that because I've heard some rumours about perhaps some people that were fairly senior when these sorts of laws were being written that had collections of Luger artillery pistols and, you know, broom handle Mausers and all sorts of things that, if you fit a stock to them, could arguably be Cat B, but they're also, you know, traditionally considered pistols. And yeah. they might have wanted to keep those. So where are our organisations on this? Any discussions with organisations? I keep saying this. Yep. So, you know, people have reached out to, obviously people have reached out to us at Firearm Owners United, and I guess maybe having some personal involvement and knowledge of the matter has sort of already shaped our opinion, but I don't really think so because we're pretty, we're a bit more hard mind maybe than the other groups or less conservative. Unfortunately, Shooters Union has taken a stance against these. They've got some personalities in there that don't like them, and they've basically said that they're not, they're not supporting us. They're providing no, no assistance. Hang on, hang on. Yeah. Now. Back up, back up. Back up. Yeah. Shooters Union have normally been um, pretty good in this situation. So Ooh, what, are normally, you, normally have been, yeah. So you're saying, wow, because I'll be talking to David Brown about this and Graham Park because... I mean, this would be very unhappy if these guys were not supporting this issue. I can't believe it. Can you explain that a little bit further? Not who you actually spoke to, but... Basically, there's some people in Shooters Union that think that they're... And they thought this before weapons licensing did, that they they didn't like them very much. They didn't think they're appropriate. They didn't think that they should be legal. So, And they took the view, I guess, that they, were, that they weren't legal and that they've come out against it. Mm. Is that, is, that, is that public? Because I think maybe what we'll do is we'll... I'm quite a surprise if... I'm not saying you're not, not telling me the truth or anything like that. I'd, I'd be shocked if Shooters Union are doing that because oh, they've been pretty good in the past. So maybe we'll just put, we'll, we'll put it to the side. We'll put it to the side and I'm going to talk to um, Graham Park and David Smith and find out what on earth's going on and if this yeah, is look, the... Yeah, I know they've been having some, I guess you could say, robust internal discussions about it. Yeah. Um, but that that's their position. I mean, it doesn't matter whether they think it's useful or not. It's got nothing to do with it. I don't care what they say, whether it's useful or not. It doesn't matter what organisation says that. It's it's a legal firearm under the current system. They should be fighting their absolute asses off to, to make sure this doesn't happen. I'm the Vice President of Firearm Owners United. I don't like saying negative things about other organisations in our field. Yeah. Um, you know... Which, which we're not doing here anyway yeah. until, you know, we'll find out. We'll find out because I want to find out. So yeah, you, you can, you yeah, can yeah. I'll chat to them and then see what they say because if, if I find that to be true, I'd be extremely disappointed in that because I thought, you know, they were trying to, you know, separate themselves from other organisations out there that uh, shooters might be unhappy with. You know, they're saying shooters union might have been an alternative. We don't yeah. want to see people agreeing with laws that just don't need to be agreed to when it's legal under the current system. So Yeah, that, that's mine. So, so we'll move, we'll move forward because uh, I want to I want to go chat to him about that. I guess the other major org you'd think of um, is you know the AA and that basically just fobbed everyone off. No, no surprise there. Um, what's actually funny is some of the AA rangers have been very much in favour of these. Um, you know, weapons licensing's initial move with this was to sort of hammer the rangers that they could when they decide they didn't like it was to bully range operators and stuff into not issuing. Uh, approval letters for them as Category H articles. And there was a couple of clubs, 
you know, uh, Waddle Grove, who is a double SAA range up at Gympie, basically, from my understanding, told them to fuck off and kept issuing letters. <laughs> and Q- QMRC at Belmont did pretty much a similar thing. And I'm sure there's other ranges as well, but I just don't know them. Has anyone contacted like SSAA Queensland, like on an official level, email and finding out where they're at at all? Or? Uh, I know some of the other owners have contacted them and basically everyone, like Shooters Union and SSAA's position to us has been, you know, we, we should get um, compensation at the very least. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au Quality gear at affordable prices. Now, we're setting up a fighting fund. I always think, and I've been talking about this for quite some time now, about having fighting funds for this particular issue. Now, we rolled over on the uh, Warwick WF, not Warwick, sorry, WFA1, I was going to say. No, that's yeah, that's fine. But the uh, the Riverman OAF in Queensland, we all just bent, bent over. We got uh, pineapple in the ass from uh, weapons licensing and the police in Queensland to hand them in, which obviously was obviously part of an Australia-wide issue, which came from Border Force and every, obviously, jurisdiction uh, got in line with that particular thing. So they had to hand them back in. That was a federal issue. It's always funny how they say it's a federal issue, but it's, sorry, it's a state issue. But every time they want to ban a fire, it happens overnight, just like the Adler did, just like the uh, the Riverman OAF. So when people say these things are state issues, I agree partly, but also when the federal government wants to act, they act quickly and they act swiftly. And so to always presume that it's a state issue, like people say, uh, I think is is, is ridiculous. Um, you know, the, the federal government has quite a lot to say. Oh, absolutely, and that's the thing that we seem to be seeing here with the wedge sales is when Queensland Weapons Licensing Branch were operating on their own, maybe they had their views on them, but they basically said, well. You know, it's lawful, so there's not really that much they yeah. can do. And But it's when the pressure came down from the Fed that they started to change their tune. But this is what I don't understand is why our organisations aren't spending some of our dollars that were in membership fees. It doesn't matter which one it is. Even if there was a big fighting fund amongst all organisations, that at every opportunity this happens, every time there's going to be a fight on the hand nationwide against the police and against these registries to drag them through the courts. And every time, it always seems to be, and I always joke about this with a friend, and it's kind of not funny. It always seems to be like if I was the head of an organisation I'm calling you, I'd be like, hello, this is such and such from Weapon Licensing. We're just letting you know the OAF Riverman is now going to be banned. Oh, thanks for that. We're just going to tell our members and you know, have a great day. Thank you very much. That's, that's, that seems to be how we react with it at the moment. When I don't know why at every opportunity we aren't fighting this in court. Every time this happens, Happens, the police are going to know there's going to be a lawsuit against the Queensland or New South Wales, WA, South Australia, Victorian police, doesn't matter which jurisdiction it is. Every time there's going to be a fight. If it's a federal issue, it's going to be a fight. Every time. And they know if they make this decision, there is going to be a fight again. Yeah, they've got the government has got tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars to fight this sort of stuff. But we've got to be shown to be doing something. That's what frustrates me to no end. We don't do anything. And the organisations that do have the money, don't do anything either. It's just we always continually roll over and it's so frustrating. The members would be so happy that if these organisations, any one of the organisations, doesn't matter which one, use the money for membership money to fight at every opportunity, the members would be stoked about this. Not, you know, creating a big cash war chest of money. It's using that money to fight for shooters is what I think should be happening. But, you know, I'm, I don't know. You think I'm off the mark or? No, mate, I, I completely agree with you. That, that's my own personal view pretty much, you know. That's what we're doing here. Yeah. Um, you know, FOU's funds, we are a new org, we're a smaller org, 
we're, we're pretty limited in what we can do directly in terms of providing funding. But um, you might notice there's a GoFundMe that was set up, and that's for people to donate. Um, and we also take donations directly on the website. I only use GoFundMe rather than donations directly on the website because it's a bit more effective in sort of driving donations, even yeah, though it costs a little sure. bit. And I mean, you know, we've had a pretty good response. We've currently got, on the GoFundMe, we've got $6,785 and donated directly to us. We've had, I think, 500 donated. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that's we're good. talking seven grand so far. And, you know, myself and a few of the other owners have already basically said we'll put in a thousand bucks each. Yeah, where are we at with lawyers? Have has anyone spoken to any lawyers? Decent lawyers? Uh, yeah, decent lawyers. That, yeah, that's the ones that know about them. firearms, not the average, you know, Joe trying to make money off the back. Yeah, I spoke with a bloke he named Peter Kusky in Queensland. He was pretty highly recommended to us by uh, some of the people in the community that have litigated against weapons licensing before. Very you good. know, he's done some work for the de- dealers associations and so forth. And you know, so we spoke with him for about a bit over an hour about this, and he thinks we have a case, right? He's basically said, no, you're not completely wrong. You do have a case. You've got a number of good arguments. They're technical arguments, so basically arguments based on sort of the technicalities of the law on why you're right. Yep. He said, now, to get them in court is a bit of a difficult thing. Public servants in making decisions, as he put it, are a protected species. So to get them in court is a few different ways. Obviously, the most obvious and sort of the most high risk would be just to tell them to fuck off and hold it, and then they'll kick your front door and take it, charge you, and go through the criminal process. And that would kind of suck. Yeah, absolutely. That's not going to be good, day, no. be, no, you're going to get your house raided. You're going to get maybe your dog shot, quite literally there. You know, I'm not joking. And they're going to take everything you've got. They're going to throw you in jail for a while. And if you lose, well, fuck, you know, you're going to be looking yeah. at some. You know, you might be looking at time in prison and never yeah. having guns I again. I guess it's easier to dispose of it through, you know, if someone wanted to, like through a dealer, at least get them to hold on to it under the under well, an agreement. Or you'll lend it, you know? lend it to a person that has the right sort of license irrespective or, yeah, you can land firearms for three months in Queensland or you can take it to the police who, you know, will hold it. I just want to say one thing, though, to people that might be listening when they do listen to this. I mean, obviously I would say do whatever you legally need to do that you're not going to get in trouble. So that if that's put it into the possession of a Category D person, somebody that you trust, I mean, what options are there, Kirk, in regards to what people can do? Because people are probably going to listen to this that may be freaking out. Queensland not have spoken to the to the right parties involved and they're already freaked out and they've gotten rid of the firearm and the government and weapons licensing have already beaten them, you know? Yeah, that's it, basically. At, at this stage... Sort of all you can do is, you know, in a sort of prompt manner, take it into someone that is suitably licensed to hold it for a period of time. That doesn't necessarily have to be a dealer if they do have a Category R license, say an armourers or an instructors, and they've got, you know, the condition codes on their licence would allow them to take possession of it temporarily. That would also legally be in, in, in the green, I guess. And yeah, you, you know, you've got to do what you've got to do at, at some point in time. Getting up in the criminal court is, is my idea. So that's what we... No one's really going to seriously contend that because no one's crazy. Now, so getting him into court, we've got a few different options. The best option, as recommended by Peter Kusky, because their argument's quite technical, is to take them on a judicial review. Now, a judicial review is a where you have an issue with an administrative decision made by the government, and you apply to a review by the Supreme Court. Now, that's obviously a fairly high level of lawmaking, which is why you recommend it. It's not lawmaking, but um, legal reasoning there. You know, Supreme Court justices are pretty pretty good in terms of coming to sound decisions and understanding technical legislation. So he said our likelihood there is the best. That's expensive, though. 
you know, to run a case in the Supreme Court, you're talking twenty, thirty thousand dollars, and it's no sure thing either. You know, it comes down to a matter of several interpretations as to where things. That's what I mean. Thing. But for our organisations, you know, thirty k is absolutely nothing. It's nothing. Yeah, some organisations um, that that's a drop in the hat. Now, unfortunately, I don't have those funds to throw at this um, with our FOU. You know, we simply don't have that sort of money on hand. Because I guess we kind of use our money. We don't just hoard it endlessly. Yeah, and it is a shame. It is a shame, actually. I, I truly believe this. It's a shame that we actually have to get a, which helps, obviously, which is great, a GoFundMe page by the average shooter to fight the government on this issue that I think organisations yeah. in Queensland should be coming together and spending the money. Whether it's you know, Dealers Association, SSAA, Shooters Union, uh, any other organisations up there, importers, NIA, any of them should be getting together. This is pittance to those people. It's pittance. Yeah, and, and this is something I'd like to emphasise in, in why this, this issue with the WT-15, it actually goes a lot further than the WT-15. The sort of reasoning put together by weapons licensing, well, in my view, it's a it's literally the thin edge of the wedge here, right? They're going to use this, and then they're going to turn around in six months' time, a year's time, or maybe just later when it's politically convenient or whatever. We don't know. And they're just going to ram the Ruger charges off the face of the I was just thinking the exact same then, thing in my that, mind. That's yeah. going to be the next thing is Ruger charges. And then I don't know where it's going to stop because you can use the same arguments against you know any any basically pistol that's sort of got a rifle variant. And that actually goes a lot further than people realise. You know, you, your Browning Buckmarks aren't safe. There's a Buckmark rifle, you know, so they could just say it's cat C, stiff shit. Um, and likewise with, you know, anyone that holds one of those interesting little AAA SAPs from back in the day that apparently have a market value of $10,000, um, you could be screwed, no combo. I know some people have, like, you know, some interesting things like HKSP89s and stuff. You could be screwed too. And then stuff that's a bit more commonly in use as well, like, say, your Mausers, your Lugers, Browning High Powers have carbine variants, you know, and 1911s do. The list just goes on. It's very sinister from this weapons licensing and the police and whoever's driving this because we've always said this, that's what they're going to do. Reclassify so they don't have to compensate you, but who's going to buy them? That's the whole thing. Very insidious. That's why I can't, but it really shocks me. And I'm not saying they're fully, our organisations are even fully around what's happening at the moment and perhaps they will in the future so i'm not saying why aren't they at the moment perhaps they will but if they don't i'd be extremely disappointed and i'm gonna have to email a few people hopefully next couple of days and find out what on earth's going on and what why there's been no support why there hasn't been any full support to start going and taking these things to court and why the average shooter needs to do this i mean yeah of course it's great shooters getting involved it's a great thing but our organizations should be driving this they claim to be political but they need to drive this they need to be the people and the professionals behind this to drive it yeah, look, I, I I agree with you. And if they if they change their tune, you know, everyone in the effective parties, you know, we're all very happy to work with other people. You know, FOU is very happy to work with whoever, be that Shooters Union or SSAA. Um, you know, one group that has done a fair bit of good work with this would be uh, LAFO. Yeah. Um, you know, they've done heaps of FOIs on this sort of stuff and, They've been very valuable in sort of giving us an understanding of where weapons licensing is coming from and sort of the motivators behind it. All right, mate. Where does the GoFundMe, where do they go and do that? I might throw in a few bucks in myself tonight, actually. Yeah, so um, I, I did just send you, that's the link I sent you um, earlier. Yeah, let me just uh, see if that, I that's can grab the it GoFundMe. And if people are wanting to you know, make a donation directly, um, and we, just to clarify with people, you know, as effort, 
finals. You know, we've, we've set up, we're seeing up, and we haven't yet, but we will surely we're doing the paperwork, seeing up just another account at our bank. Yep. And we're going to hold all the funds in isolation from the rest of our money. And any funds that were, say, left over, if there's, you know, more than a couple hundred dollars worth, we'll email everyone and just say, basically, what do you want us to do with this money? You when know, does it, when are you hoping to get the process started anyway on um, with the lawyers and all that sort of stuff? How long are we waiting? You know, like I said, I spoke with Peter Kuski the other day. With a judicial review, and here's one of the key things, we have a 28-day time period from when the decision is made. Now, basically, from when the last person receives their letter, I think, is going to be when the decision is made, finally, for them. Um, but, you know, for myself, I guess I received notice on the 28th, but weapons licensing dated the letter the 21st. So I'm not sure if our, if our time limit starts from the 21st, and I think it might. So I guess that gives us to the 15th. Well, okay, so it needs to be, yeah. To, to raise a shitload of money, you know, and we've done a good effort and we've got a fair bit of a way there. And this is where I guess some of the orgs that, that have big fighting funds be pretty damn valuable provide some assistance here is we could get a judicial review underway. Now, like I said, there is a bloke who's got a QCAT case underway. If we can't get the judicial review underway, we'll um, run it through QCAT. And we also have another avenue to sort of get this into a magistrate's court as well under the Police Powers and Responsibilities Act. If you surrender a firearm to the police, you can apply to have them return it to you. Now, if they refuse, then you can apply to the magistrate to have an order made, and the magistrate's duty is to determine whether that's lawful for you to possess. So it's kind of a bit of a a way for us to get them into court on the matter that way. Uh, all of these are slow. So the bloke who has been running through QCAT already we contacted the other day, I think his case has been in there for like six months already. So magistrate's court, slow as well. Judicial review is a bit quicker. And it, you know, you're going before the Supreme Court, who's a bit more consistent, you know, they're going to understand the technical aspects of everything a bit better. And that's, that's the action that was recommended to us by Peter Kuski, who, like I said, is quite highly regarded for this sort of stuff. All right, I just donated while we're actually talking on the phone. There you go. Yeah, thanks, mate. Awesome. No worries. All right, we're gonna. Uh, I'm gonna post it on the Facebook page now. Actually, I'm just sharing my uh, donut. Well, not not the donation, but obviously sharing it on Facebook. So I urge people to get it on. I'm gonna try and get this up tonight, man. But um, as quick as possible. I know there's reasons why. You know, we need to do that. There's reasons why we need to do that. So I normally would give them out to my Patreon members early, but unfortunately, we need to get this one up right now to people. Uh, I'm going to try and do a bit of work on it tonight, and hopefully, I can get it out tomorrow morning. So great. Thanks, thanks for your time on this, Jason. Oh, so really, just do what we can. Man. Do what we can. I'm not saying we're going to win or anything, but hey, you yeah. never know. Hopefully, we can. Just, I just, I'm going to have to start emailing a few of our organisations tomorrow because I don't know why they're not. You know, if they are abreast of it, great news. But if they're not, you know, we need, we need money. We need money. We need to make sure this is <laughs> going much. forward. You know, well, but you know, lawyers are three. The solicitors are three thirty an hour. Barristers a lot more. <laughs> so yeah, it's not cheap stuff. All right, mate, no worries. I'll let you go. Thanks for joining me. Kirk Yattris from Firearms Owners United on this issue uh, with the WT1501 with the Queensland and weapons licensing. Mate, thanks for joining me. I'll get it out tonight and uh, tonight, tonight, tomorrow, and we'll, uh, we'll go from there, mate, see what we can make happen. Thanks for your time, Jason. Have a good one. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.